0: Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at the ocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the OC Movement. Good morning. Man, that was so good. I couldn't tell if I'd unmuted my mic or not, so it was scary. You know what I'm talking about? Awesome. Hot crowd, hot crowd. Good morning. Now, I don't know if we say Merry Christmas or Happy New Year. So, uh, let's just say Merry Christmas and then Happy New Year. Are you, guys, are you guys overloaded with people and presents and food? Did you guys have a great Christmas? Let me hear. Yeah? All right. Good. Man, we're so glad that you made it to the Movement Church this morning. My name is Carrie. Uh, my wife and I are pastors here at the Movement Church, and man, this is our favorite place to be and our favorite day of the week, and 9 a.m. is our favorite service, bar none. Yeah, you, you made the cut. You're our favorite. If you walked in today, you're our favorite people. How many of you came to our Christmas Eve service? Let me hear you, your hands up. Oh, yeah, okay, good. Was it not awesome? I mean, it was a little bit cold in the beginning, right? Just a little chilly. But man, once the sun set, the wind died down, man, it was awesome. And for those of you that came, it was, it was great getting $1,000 for each of us. Wasn't that awesome? We just handed it out. Those of you that missed it, we better make it next year. It'll be so good. Uh, literally, it's, it has been. Last year we did it for the very first time. Uh, and this year it was no-brainer. We're going for it. And it is one of our favorite services uh, that we do at the Movement Church Uh, But we actually say that every Sunday. It's crazy because every Sunday is our favorite. And uh, this really is one of our favorite Sundays. Uh, We we have previously called it Time Capsule Sunday, but now we are affectionately calling it Believe Sunday. And at the end of the the service today, we're actually going to give you an opportunity. Uh, Make sure you have your phones ready. We'll give you some instruction. But we're going to give you an opportunity to write down the 10 things you're believing God's going to do in 2016. And then here's the cool thing. Right before Thanksgiving next year, we'll email those back to you and you get to see the faithfulness of God and what he's done. And, and a little later in the service today, I'm actually going to show you just a few of the testimonies that have come back of, God, of God's faithfulness and exciting uh, things that he's done. And listen, sometimes we, we fail to see God at work because we actually don't write down the things we're expecting him to do. And so then we, we miss all the details. We miss all the moments that God showed up in a powerful way. And it really isn't God's fault. It's our fault. So we want to give you an opportunity today to do that. So get ready. Have your phones on you. But before we do this and dive into that, I just, I just wanted to share transparently and authentically with you a few things that 2015 taught me. Is that cool? One of our, our main, the main, thank you, the one of you that said yes, the rest of you don't have an option. And one of the, the main culture points, and I'll talk a little more about this later, uh, one of the things we focus on is authenticity. Now, in fact, I, my prayer is that that's one of the things that drew you to the Movement Church, one of the things that's kept you here. And now, if you call the Movement Church home, my prayer is that you'll help protect that. But we, we've just made a decision early on. We're not going to be fake. We're not going to try to act like something that we're not. All of us are just a little jacked up. Can I get an Amen. And, and, and all of us are just working to get just a little bit better. And I just want to share a few things with you, just really from my heart. This is more conversation, but you don't get to talk. It's exciting. It's my favorite kind of conversation. Uh, uh, just a few things that, that 2015 taught me to believe. I originally put what 2015 taught me to believe for, but I don't believe you can end a sentence with a preposition. And I know some of you would be angry about that, so you're welcome. And if you are the kind that would notice that, you need to jump on our tech team, because we need you desperately. But let's pray. We'll jump into this. We're going to have some fun. I'm going to talk fast today, because the important thing comes at the end of the service. But can you look at me in the eyes for one minute? Let's just take the next 25 minutes and be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Can we do that? Let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you that you're here. God, we thank you for a powerful time of worship, where we can refocus our attention upon you. And God... We thank you for what this season means, that it represents the fact that you sent your son for us. But as we go into a new year, God, we just thank you for all that the future holds for every individual seated in this room. And and we just ask that you do something powerful today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. What 2015 taught me to believe? What 2015 taught me to believe? Last January... I realized that when January comes, I can believe in new beginnings. January is a representation of new beginnings. I know some of you may have written goals. If you're like me, I'm already preparing. This week is all about getting ready to map out what my year is going to look like, I'm going to map out how I'm going to spend my time throughout the week throughout the day, we're, Megan and I are already discussing the things that are priorities for our family this year, and, and in fact, we're going to start a brand new series next week, and we're going to take 21 days in January to pray and fast and believe God, and really kind of position ourselves in the right place to see God do something great, but, but if you're like me, as you begin to evaluate and explore the goals that you're setting for 2016, maybe you remember the goals you set For 2015 and what can begin to surface are the things that you have not accomplished this year. Or the goals that were unmet or maybe some of you fail to set goals or choose not to set goals each year because you have experienced too many years of disappointment. And that's why the first point for you today is January is a representation that you can believe in new beginnings. It's a brand new year. I love what the scripture says in Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. It says this, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a what? A new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I will never forget the trouble or the utter lostness. He's saying, listen, I've got you covered. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. For those of you that were raised in the church, you are immediately thinking of an old DC Talk song, and I will not benefit you today with the rap that none of you have ever heard before, but that's what I'm thinking of at this moment. Listen, January is a moment or season we can believe for new beginnings. God's doing a new thing. It's a fresh start. Every time somebody's Apple watch is going off, let them know it's okay. Get to church. We still have one more service. And it's a new beginning. Hey, here's my question for you this year. What are the things that you need to subtract from your life? What are the distractions? When you look back over 2015 or even maybe the last few years, what are the things that have been more of a hindrance for you? What needs to be subtracted? Some of you are thinking, well, my husband... No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. Maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe it's poor character. What needs to be subtracted? And now here's another question for you. What needs to be added to your life? Maybe it's grace. Maybe it's the same patience that you afford or lend to yourself that this is the year to give that kind of patience to others. It's a new beginning. January represents... A new beginning regardless of yesteryear. Listen to this passage. I I read this in my devotions this week. Megan and I get up every morning at the butt crack of dawn. And just spend some time in the word and in prayer. And yeah, I said it. You're welcome. And uh, This is actually part of of what what I read this week. It's Lamentations chapter 3 verses 19 through 26. This is the message translation. Listen, this is so powerful. Listen to this. It says this. The taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed, I remember it all, oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting rock bottom. Maybe for some of you, two thousand and fifteen was an amazing year, but maybe for some of you, two thousand and fifteen felt like rock bottom. Maybe it was the, the, the deepest of the lowest of lows for you, and that 's what the writer is talking about. I remember the feeling of rock bottom. But listen to this next passage. It says this, but there's one thing I remember and remembering I keep a grip on hope. Isn't that an image of being at rock bottom that you're just looking up going, I I don't know if it can get worse, but I'm trying to cling to something that feels like hope or maybe in here today, you've stopped trying to cling to hope and that's what this Sunday is about. Believe Sunday. I cling to this, and I grip on hope. Listen to this. God's loyal love could not have run out. His merciful love could not have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. And let me just tell you, when God is all you've got left, that's a great place to be. In fact, that's the best position that you can be in. Because nothing in this world will ever satisfy or ever last. The only thing that lasts in our life is the fact that God is in control. He's all I've got less. Listen to this. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits. And to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope. Quietly hope for help from God. January taught me to believe in new beginnings, to believe in new beginnings. I don't know what this past year has been like or the past decade, but I know that January is a representation that God wants to do something new in your life. The second thing that, that uh, this year taught me is my 14th anniversary taught me to believe that we can make it. My wife and I have been married for 14 years, actually going on 15 now. We're actually closer to 50. Come on, that's worth a hand clap. I know, you're thinking, you don't look at day over 21, I'm not. We got married as infants, it was exciting, and... 14 years of marriage. We got married as babies, literally as we were, I was 20 and she was 42. And man, we were like, let's do this thing, baby. And she's not that much older than me, but she's close. She's my cougar. And man, oh, year 14, it taught me. That's a good thing. Yes. No, okay, here's the truth. Cause she's going to hit me later. She was a senior. I was a sophomore. You are welcome right there. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so listen, year 14 taught me we can make it. I want to be very transparent with you. This year was a, one of the most, challenging years of our life and what I learned is that every year has exciting mountains and devastating valleys but if we can learn to navigate one valley we can learn to navigate them all and though we were never at the place of wanting to throw in the towel I was close at times to you know having great seasons of my life (laughs) <laughs> just trying to think of how, how transparent to be, <laughs> so I don't get in trouble later. There was times where Megan and I, literally this year, we were just thinking, "What? What do we need to do to find a place of health again?" We didn't fall out of love, but we hit challenges after challenge after challenge. And our anniversary taught us that if we can make it to fourteen, we can make it to fifteen. And if we can make it to fifteen, we can make it to sixteen. And if we make it to sixteen, we can make it to. 17 and listen I, I don't know what season maybe you're here today and you're not married that's okay you still experience exciting mountains and devastating valleys but you can make it you can make it i love what this passage of scripture talks about in psalm 23 about the valleys that we face the lord is my shepherd to feed and to guide and shield me i shall not lack He makes me lie down in fresh, tender green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my life. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, uprighteousness, and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. And yes, though I walk through the deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread. No evil, for you are with me. Your rod to protect and your staff to guide, they comfort me. Listen, I'm just telling you, this year taught me when we made it to year 14 if we can do this, if we can navigate the trials of this year, we can navigate the trials. Of any year. That doesn't mean we have to have the wisdom. That every trial throws at us. It just means we know we can fight for it. Not in our marriage. But for our marriage. And no matter what your marital status is today. When you experience the highs. And the great exciting things. Of the mountaintop. Just remember what got you there in the first place. That it was the grace of God. And the great great decisions that you've made. And when you find yourself in the valley. Just keep on walking. It might feel like you're crawling, so just keep on crawling, right? Even if it's an army crawl and you are just kind of nubbing along, just keep on moving. Just keep on, just like Dory said in Nemo, keep on swimming, keep on swimming. Listen, I'm telling you, you might be crawling through the valley of the shadow of death and you look ahead and you see a mountain and you're thinking, oh my God, not only do I have to get through the valley, but once I'm through the valley, I'm at the base of the mountain and a whole nother climb is ahead of me. But I want to tell you this morning that if you just keep on climbing, you won't even realize it, but all of a sudden you'll be on top top of the peak again. The key is that you don't give up. You can make it. You can make it. This is something that I learned this year, and I feel like this is something God wants you to know, that you can make it. Listen, believe in new beginnings. Believe that we can make it. Believe that we can make it. Another thing that this year taught me, in February of this year, my best friend for life, Christopher Upton and his amazing family moved from Texas to within a mile and a half Of my house. And I know that sounds silly and superfluous. Grown men don't say best friends. But that's because you ain't never had a best friend like my best friend. We've blown up things. Burned things. Shot things. And done a lot of things we shouldn't have done. Never been to prison. Should have been. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But he really is my greatest friend. And when he moved in within a mile and a half of our house. I realized how great it is. That I can believe that authentic relationships really are the key to a full life. It was interesting to see because this guy, man, we have walked through everything together. I was there when he found out that his father got Parkinson's disease. I was there when his father passed away. He was there when my father passed away. I was the best man in his wedding. He was the best man, man in my wedding. My kids call him Uncle Chris. His kids call me Uncle Kerry. And listen, there is nothing like having an authentic friend. Let me tell you the qualities that define an authentic friendship and relationship. This is not about whether you are having fun together or, man, you just can get along with each other. But authentic relationships encourage each other. Authentic relationships challenge each other. I can remember seasons where I was wavering in my faith and he would come alongside and say, hey, Carrie, you're better than that and vice versa. Great friends will challenge you when you're being a knucklehead. If they're not, then they're just being just kind of an acquaintance to you. But authentic relationships are the key to a very full life. Authentic relationships will inspire you to be better than you are to acknowledge that you may not be as strong as you want to be, that you may have weaknesses, but there is something better for you. Authentic relationships are people you can laugh with and people that you can cry with. I know men don't cry, but if it ever happened in the history of mankind, maybe just maybe an authentic friend is someone you can cry with. But here's the key. An authentic relationship has got to be focused on who Jesus is, not just friends for friendship's sake. And you know it's so crazy as I look back over the course of the last 35 years of my life, I've known him since I was, he's up in the booth right now, that's why I'm pointing that direction. I've known him since I was four years old. And I, the, thing, the truth is this, we made a lot of stupid decisions, burned things we shouldn't have burned, <laughs> including my face at one point, but that's another story. We never, I, we never ended up in prison. We never ended up doing stupid things with drugs and alcohol, partying through our high school years. We always stayed faithful to the course of God's call in our life. We were never perfect. But I'm telling you, I attribute that to the fact that I had a good friend who our lives were centered around who Jesus was. So my challenge for you this year is, are you building and investing in authentic Christ-centered relationships? It's worth it. I think sometimes as adults, especially as we get into life... And into the craziness. We don't want to do that because we have to put ourselves out there. And what if we feel rejection? Or I just don't have time for that. But the truth is, you don't have time to not invest in an authentic relationship. The great thing is we'll give you opportunities within small groups or connect groups that are happening here in just a few months. But that's because we believe that church happens between Sundays. Church happens between Sundays. So we're going to find strength through authentic relationships. And some of the best friends that you may have never met might be sitting in this room today and all it will take is some investment from you. Here's a few things that might help you along the journey. Be real. Be real. Don't try to put up false pretenses or act like something that you're not. Nobody cares about that. You don't have to be Instagram friendly with people. Just be real. Be real. Now, don't be a jerk. Well, I'm just being real. Pastor Kerry told me to be real. No, don't be a jerk. I'm just saying be real. If things are crappy, then just say they're crappy. If things aren't perfect, just say they're not perfect. When things are great, share that they're great. It's okay. Be real. It's one of the best things you can do in building a relationship that's authentic. Number two, be vulnerable. What does that mean? You have to share all of your dirty laundry? No, but it just means that you can say, man, this is the struggle that I'm walking through, and here's my silver bullet. You know that you have an authentic relationship when there's some one or two or three people in your life that are not impressed with you and they know what your silver bullet is. You know what that means? The one thing that can take you down. The one thing that will catch you or trip you up. You, you know what that is. And you need a couple people in your lives that can challenge you and inspire you with that. The third thing is be available. Don't just be a joker that never calls or never texts or is never involved, but Be available. You don't have to be on call 24-7, but let's invest in some authentic relationships this year. Can I get an amen for that? Number four, my daughter going to junior high <laughs> taught me to believe that what I do with what's in my hands actually matters. I've been a, I was a youth pastor for 12, 13 years, and so when my daughter went into junior high, I tripped out just a little bit. Anybody in here have teenagers? Yeah. Let me just tell you, emotions are running high. Boys are interested. And I'm going to kill a kid who tries to date my daughter. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. I will be lined up with shotguns and machine guns and machetes saying, Hey, listen, what time's my daughter going to be back? 30 minutes? Sounds good. Go ahead. Front yard only. Front yard only. You can stand on this side of the sidewalk and you can stand on this side. Y'all just, in fact, just text. Just text. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm getting old too is the other thing it taught me. But I want to just tell you that, and seeing my daughter kind of cross that threshold into junior high years, it just reminded me to savor the moments. Savor the moments. And you may not have kids, or maybe your kids are grown. But savor the moments. It taught me that the early years really do matter. For those of you that have infants, and two-year-olds, and three-year-olds, these years really do matter. The scripture says, raise up a child in the way he should go. And when he gets old, he will not depart from it. And there comes a season and time where children shift and begin to make their own decisions and not just do what mom and dad ask them to do. So the early years matter. But for those of you that are here, whether you have kids or not, it just taught me that I really am just a steward, a manager. She, as much as my wife and I created her biologically, she doesn't belong to me she belongs to an eternal creator named God and i just have the pleasure and the privilege of instructing her in the way she should go teaching her character and integrity hey let me ask you a question what what is in your hands today this isn't a capital 1 what's in your wallet commercial <laughs> but what's in your hands maybe it's your career Maybe it's your marriage. Hey, young person, maybe it's your destiny. Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite verses, says this. For we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece, that he has created anew in Christ Jesus. Listen, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Can. We can. Not we must Not we are forced to, but we can, which means that God has given you a destiny and you choose how you steward it. The skills that you have, look me in the eyes. The skills that you have, the way that your mind processes information, the relationships that you are in, they're a gift and you choose what you do with them. You choose. So where are you taking What are you doing with? How are you stewarding the things that are in your hand? A great author, one of my favorites, named Andy Stanley, says that direction, not intention, determines destination. Hey, look at me in the eyes. Whether you are 16 or 62 in this room today, you still have a destiny and a purpose. Are you playing games with your purpose? Are you playing games with your skill set? Are you using that to build and advance God's purpose? The things, the time that you have, the money that you have, are you stewarding it well? Brooklyn going to junior high this year taught me, man, my time with her is almost up. I have a few more years where she's in my home and then she'll be at college and then hopefully finding a really good guy who's got a lot of money and is called to ministry. Maybe I have my priorities mixed up. but You tracking? 18 is knocking on the door. That's I mean, think about it. That's just a few years away from me. And listen, our lives are the same. I don't want to move past this moment because I feel like the Holy Spirit's doing something right here. Are you stewarding what's in your hands well? Are you? If not, you have a great new opportunity because January is about new beginnings. Number five, launching a second service taught me to believe with Jesus and passionate people, anything is possible. Some of you haven't been in the journey with us long enough, but our church is a little over three years old and September of this past year, this year we launched the second service. You're at the nine o'clock service, our favorite, of course. And it was a stretch for us but we knew if we didn't do that, then we wouldn't have enough room for some of you who are here today. And we had to go for it. And so we talked about it. We got insight. We got uh, wisdom. And we talked with our team. And we put a plan together. And we put structure and strategy together. And we, we, we just said, we're going to go for this thing. Believing by faith and using wisdom that God's going to show up. More people are going to walk through the doors so that more people can find out about who Jesus is. And guess what? It happened. And I realized that with Jesus and passionate people... Anything can happen, and that's part of the reason why we're here. We're here to invest our lives to build what God established, the church. In fact, man, God was talking to his disciples saying, hey, who do you say that I am? Who do people believe that I am? And he turned to Peter and he said, Peter, who do you think that I am? And Simon Peter replied in Matthew chapter 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, peter on this rock which is the confession of the believers upon the confession of the believers that jesus christ is lord that he is the hope everlasting that he is a light in darkness upon this confession i will build my church which the gates of hell cannot prevail against do you know what that means that this is an unstoppable force It isn't about my strength or Jeremy's strength or your strength, but it's a collaborative effort of people saying, I'm going to do something with my gifts and my talents, being passionate, building authentic relationships. Why? Because God has given us purpose. God has given us hope. God has given us life. And man, that is what can happen when Jesus and passionate people collide. And that's what this year taught me above everything else. Let me tell you what that means for you and for this church. We exist for one reason as a movement church. To inspire the one who's far from God to find life in Christ and life in the church. Which means as long as there are people in this county who do not know the hope of who Jesus is, we must keep expanding. We've got to plant campuses and plant churches and build people. Plant campuses, plant churches, and build people which means that sometime in the near future, a campus is coming to a neighborhood near you. We have a dream in South Orange County of having a movement church campus within 10 minutes of everyone who lives in South Orange County. Listen, that's gonna take a lot of work, but why are we gonna do that? Because there's still people who are far from God who need to know that there's hope and light in this world. That's why we exist. And little things like launching a second service taught me that with Jesus and passionate people, anything Is possible. Anything is possible. Listen, this is what it feels like to change the world. Right here. Let me tell you the last thing that I learned this year. The last thing that I I learned. I I told you this was one of the most challenging years for, for my family. For me and my wife personally. For what we walked through. And one of the things that was challenging was... In January of 2015, my dad's physical health, his battle with cancer took a turn for the worse. And from January through to April, some of you have been around long enough to know the story. You've heard it a few times. His health rapidly declined. Rapidly declined. cancer started spreading uh, crazy through his body. Crazy attacking everything it could possibly attack, uh, rendering him uh, mo- he could not move. my mom was having to help him, and then it got to a place where he could my mom couldn 't even help and we 're talking just a downward track so quickly and and i 'll never forget april twenty sixth seven seven twenty uh, a m Texas time. I get a call from my brother, hey Carrie Dad went home. I want to tell you what that taught me to believe when I went home for his funeral. And remember the last two weeks of his life and the time that we got to spend with him as a family. Knowing where all seven of his kids are. Seeing the 550 people that showed up at his funeral. We stayed around for an hour and a half because people were coming up to say the impact he had made in their life. I apologize. It taught me to believe you can fight a good fight. You can fight the good fight, like Paul said. And you can run the good race. And, and Paul... <clears throat> Paul never said run the perfect race. Which if you're like me, man, that's, that's like liberating. He never said run the perfect race. He just said run a good race. And you can do that. Because I watched my dad who had his share of mountains and his share of valleys, and sometimes the valleys seemed longer than the height of the mountains. Anyone ever felt that way? But I looked at his life through the fruit of the relationships and realized, man, you really can run a good race. It put things in perspective very quickly for me. Very quickly for me, it reminded me that family and the ones that I love most really do matter. The time that I spend with them now, it made the transition that my daughters are walking through so much more important. It reminded me that driving after the purpose of God's destiny for my life really does matter. Not when I'm 64, but right now in this moment. Regardless of my past, because let me tell you, my past is jacked up. By all accounts, I have no right to be a pastor, but God's grace is sufficient. And it reminded me that right now, what I do today, what I do tomorrow, if I'm given tomorrow, driving towards the destiny that God has on my life, really does matter. And finally, it taught me that eternity matters we're headed folks listen to me we're headed at life speed towards eternity we're not here just to suck air and to live and to die the scripture is very clear about it that all of us are appointed once to live and then to die and that moment is coming fast think about how quickly this past year how just a few years ago you were really into slap bracelets and saved by the bell now you don't even remember what principal, principal building looked like, and some of you are like, "What's that?" I don't even know because you really love like Andy Griffith's show. Congratulations. You are you tracking with me? And what matters is to know where you're headed. It matters. Where are you headed? And listen, here's the bottom line is that all of us have sin in our life and sin separates us from what God wants to do in our life and it determines where we're headed when we're done with this life. The scripture says it brings death and an eternity in hell, but God gave us an eternal gift, a gracious gift, the gift of Jesus. He came to this earth, lived a sinful, sinless life, and he died on the cross to pay the payment for your sin and mine. Eternity, matters you don't have to be perfect you don't have to be the member a member of the movement church you don't have to have everything figured out but you do have to make a declaration with your heart to say jesus i give you my life if you're here today and you've never done that today is your day in a moment i'm going to pray a prayer in a few moments we're going to shift gears and talk about believe sunday but in a moment i'm going to pray a prayer i want to challenge if you've never prayed that prayer or if you're not sure where you're headed at eternity Then I want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me today. And maybe you're here today. You've been running from God. You may have prayed this a long time ago. But you need to come back to him today. And start a brand new beginning. Don't let this moment pass you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. If that's you. Just in your own heart. Nobody's going to pray out loud but me. Just repeat this prayer. After me. Just say God. I know that you're real. I know that you love me that you've given me purpose. But today, God, I want to start brand new. Would you forgive me of my sins? Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price. And just repeat this phrase in your own heart. God, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today,